This is Max from the great country of Scotland, and whenever I'm adjusting my kilt, I'm listening to the Two Guys Talking podcast. Cars, trucks, and more. The vehicles featured inside of television series and movies aren't just for transportation. They transport us like a time machine. Whether it's times in our past, our times in our potential future, they have an amazing impact on who we are. I'm Mike Wilkerson, the pop culture TV movie guy, providing you with details, education, and perspective about the programs and films. And I'm Ron Ryland, the car guy, with the connections to people all over who, like me, know a lot about cars. Fasten your seatbelts and tweak the rear view. It's time for another episode of TwoGuysTalkingCars.com. The color, blood red. The make, Plymouth. The value, awesome. In 1983, there were a lot of big things going on. Hair, neon colored clothes, the expectations of your woodshop instructor. The other big thing that was going on during the end of summer of 1983 was a little movie about a really angry car called Christine. Grab your popcorn. Turn the radio to your favorite bebop because it's time for the perspective review of Christine, 1983, directed by John Carpenter, here on the Two Guys Talking Cars podcast. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Ron Riling, your other host. Ron, we've been talking about doing this review for a long time, but finally it is here. It is the perspective review of Christine from 1983, directed by John Carpenter. I've been excited about getting around and doing this one, and it just took a little you know, to get everything all worked out. And, yeah. I mean, we, there's a lot going on in that movie. Uh, and uh, There really is. We also had a line on what was one of the previous owners of the car, and we just could not make that interview work. If that does come to fruition, though, the best part is that we'll revisit this movie, talk to that owner, and augment this podcast later on. Ron, a quick little bit of housekeeping. The Bully Network. Now, Christine is famed for a variety of things, one of which is the bullies inside of this movie. They're actually their own little collective character, I think. You have some really definitive bullies. You have the colloquial high school classroom with bullies abound. You have the garage where the bullies appear once again to raise hell. And then you have Arnie that actually becomes a bully inside of this movie. Now, it is amazing, and I'm working with a variety of law enforcement organizations as well as a new bully network that I cannot wait to announce. It's coming up here in the next couple of months, and I'll have more information about the Bully Network. Look for it soon. The Mystic River Perspective Review. Ron, have you seen Mystic River? That's the uh, Clint Eastwood 2003 film with Kevin Bacon again. I vaguely remember it. I couldn't tell you what it was about. Okay, well, it, it's a Boston-based crime drama. And recently, we started a new podcast on the network called WhatCopsWatch.com. And it's where Captain Christy Giuseppe and I sit down and talk about movies, about how they are depicting real life or are not depicting real life inside of law enforcement circles. But more importantly, it allows you to know what cops are watching because as much as all of us think that cops are superheroes, the fact is that they wear a badge. They usually have guns, yes. They are even in uniform a lot of times. 
But they're people just like you and I. They're, they're normal. They had, they're normal, everyday people. They, more importantly, they've got families that they want to get back to. And so right. they obviously make decisions differently than most people do. The bottom line, though, is that WhatCopsWatch.com is a great new podcast coming to Two Guys Talking. And the Mystic River Perspective Review is the first entry inside of WhatCopsWatch.com. Check that out now over at WhatCopsWatch.com. Great stuff. The Wicked Smart Review Series. Now, I just talked about Mystic River, which is one of the movies inside of the Wicked Smart Review series. And they are crime-based, Boston-based movies. And we're going to run through them all. There's a listing of at least five that we've got so far. And we're going to just keep plucking to find more of the Wicked Smart Review series. Because it's a ton of fun. They are all popular movies. They're all movies that instantly come to people's minds. And it allows us to nest a little category of movie reviews inside of a nest of category movie reviews. <laughs> it's more great stuff from two guys talking in. It's coming soon. The Wicked Smart Review series, starting with Mystic River, directed by Clint Eastwood. Park the car. Park the car down in the yard. All right, so we talked about a lot here at the beginning of the perspective review of Christine 1983, directed by John Carpenter. Ron, start that mighty Mopar. <laughs> um. Two guys talking. Christine. Ah, hype. Now, Ron, in 1983, I was 13 years old. I know nothing about when this movie came out. Nothing. Although as much bullydom is inside of this movie, I really would have liked to have seen this movie when I was 13 because I know I was being bullied. Seriously. Do you remember I, when this movie came out? Yeah. I, I mean, I remember going to I wasn't 13, though. <laughs> you were 14. <laughs> yeah, plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, where did you see this movie? Did you see it? You saw it in a theater, a, obviously. A theater. Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe a drive-thru. A drive-thru? Drive Pro- no, probably not. In the theater. Okay. Yeah. Was it a big theater, do you remember? Remember if there were people there with you or you alone? Well, no, there were people there. Okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, it wasn't like I was the only one sitting in there watching it. I mean, okay, the, and do you remember any lead up to the movie? Did you go, oh man, we got to go see that car? Well, the trailer the... on television. Okay. That, and it's like, yeah, I want to go see that. Might have been, an, I used to go to movies a lot, so it could have been, the, it was a trailer at the theater, and so, okay, I'm going to come back, I'm going to see that. Okay. And how old were you in, in 1983? I was born in 55. So, let's see, 65 is 10, 75 is 20, plus 8, so you're 28 years old. Oh. You remember 28? Sure. Who did you go with? Who did you go to this movie with? Um, My wife. Yeah? Was yeah. she your wife then? Well, a different wife. Oh, a different wife. <laughs> yeah, okay. my first wife. One of the wives. Yeah, one of my wives. <laughs> okay, awesome. And uh, did she like it? Was it a... This seems... Yeah. This would be kind of the, the was, drive to your heart fun, movie. It was, a, it was a fun movie. I mean... Oh, yeah. You, you're not bored sitting there watching or no. anything. There's always something going on. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that comes from also, especially that you were 28, it didn't matter for you, but uh, that it wasn't our movie. I think it really did make a difference in what is presented inside of this movie. Very much in stark contrast to if it were made today. You'd have oh, a completely yeah. different movie if it was made today. Even like television programs that we watched then in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. wouldn't even be allowed to be on today. Right. I agree like, with that. Like Sanford and Son. Yeah. All Big in the family. Dummy. Yeah, yeah. All in the family. Yeah. Those shows would never be made Eat today. it. Yeah. 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 No, I totally agree with that. And again, I think that's what gives this, this movie a really great custom flavor is that this was just right before PG-13 landed. And you get a definitively different flavor because of it. Show me. Get your motor running, tiger. The money. 
Ah, the wondrous fun of guessing the money inside the Perspective Review Series via two guys talking anything. So, Ron, I only have two different numbers here. I do not have a, a worldwide take. There wasn't one presented inside of my source. But what I do have is I have domestic take and I have opening weekend. So let's start with opening weekend total. Do you have any idea what this raised across 1,045 theaters? I have no idea. I kind of remember it wasn't a huge movie, but it was decent. Okay. So, you know, but I don't remember what a decent amount would have brought in back in 83. Give it a good shot. 1983 yeah. money, opening weekend, awesome movie. Five million. Five million. A little bit over. In this case, the opening weekend for Christine back in 1983 was $3,400,000. Wow. So... Again, the numbers have ch- and the dynamic of what we you know oh. you hear about a movie now and did it make a hundred million dollars? No, ah, who cares? Yeah. If opening we could now do three three point four million, yeah, it'd go direct to video. Yeah, <laughs> very very well said. In fact, I think a one day take on a Wednesday opening for a movie that opens actually on Friday is something like this. So uh, very interesting in that it, that opening weekend total was again three point four million dollars. How about gross lifetime intake for the movie? Any idea? Including DVDs. And- yeah, I, I've never actually seen where it says, and this includes DVDs and Blu-rays, in particular the soundtracks that are worth gold. <laughs> I don't see <laughs> that, that anywhere inside. The, yeah, I don't see that anywhere inside of the details, uh, but we'll, we'll assume yes. I'm going to guess $35 million. $35 million. Again, a little bit over, which is good usually, because usually my other co-host always just <laughs> totally screw it. Lowball it. Huh? Yeah, absolutely lowball it. In this case, the domestic take... Total lifetime grosses is $21 million, which doesn't feel like a whole lot of money. No, not when they do that opening weekend now. No, not at all. And I have to wonder if that was because it just was not that great an opening. It made money, obviously, uh, but it didn't make a ton of money, and it was one of the very few not corn combines of cash inside of the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review series. Very strange, but I think that's what I liked about this movie. This is a very strange and outside-the-box movie. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I cannot wait to get talking about it. Two Guys Talking. Christine. Oh, good. There is a long litany of lists, so let's get straight to it, Ron. An assembly line. A vision to days quickly disappearing. Now, we live in a time now where there are assembly lines. Right. We live in a time where there are huge assembly lines. In fact, there's uh, another shift that's opening and one not uh, 45 minutes from us at the GM plant because they're building more awesome carness, whatever, blah. So there is an assembly line here. But is it the same definitive vision as what is indicated in the beginning of this movie? Oh, no. No. I mean, 30 years ago in St. Louis, we had three assembly lines. Right. We had a GM plant. We had the Corvette plant. We mm-hmm. had a GM truck plant. Well, we had the Ford plant. Uh-huh. We had the Chrysler plant. Yeah. When you go back to times like this here in, let's say, the mid-50s, right. it is just a completely different time. An assembly line back then was what an entire area economy was built on. Right. As opposed to being maybe an augment, which it's kind of become now. Well, really right right now, it really becomes a piece inside of a platform for a politician Right. at this point, as opposed to being something inside that's super uh, giant cog of an economy like it was indicated in here. Right. Well, a great example of that was Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of people credit him with inventing the automobile. He didn't invent the automobile. He invented and perfected the assembly line, right. which allowed him to make affordable vehicles, which they didn't have before. Right, right, right. So, and that's a good example of an assembly line sparking uh, the economy of a community. Yeah, 
And uh, I love that. I love that old, you know, if you work hard, things right. will be achieved. Now, I have a friend that worked at that Ford plant that was uh, right over in North St. Louis. And he doesn't work there anymore, but he knows now that what he would have been doing from way back then, I think it's now 18 years ago that he worked there. But he was putting a couple of uh, nuts into the same place all day long on X amount of cars or you get fired. Right. And so while it was a dun 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 Dun, 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 dun. That's all he did all day long for however many cars. And it, it is the bane of what people talk about inside of assembly lines. But it was a job. It was a good paying job. And he was a piece of that global economy, uh, c- community economy that yeah. was going on. And that has completely changed. He also knows that he probably would not be alive. Because he was living a life completely different than what he is living now. Because he is not doing that dun, 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 dun. And it really does make a difference. It's a completely different way of life. It's a completely different economic piece that we don't get much anymore at all. Right. I mean, now the assembly line now is just mainly a packaging process more yeah. than uh, assembly. Yeah, I agree I mean, with that. I, mean, I agree even, with that. Even at the car plants, the, I mean, there are so many robots that are incorporated now mm-hmm. where a man used to make a weld, a machine makes a weld now. Uh-huh. Well, and I'm telling you, the guy that was doing the two nuts on a yeah. door or whatever the hell he was that's doing. A ro- oh, that's, that's a robot now. That's a robot now, and, yeah. and they're putting them both on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, guaranteed trying to augment schedules and make sure budgets are met. Uh, the robot's getting a whole lot more time than my buddy would have gotten. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it is the peril of a giant assembly line inside of a giant manufacturer. Uh, it is, again, it's so perilous, and it is hearkening back to a time that we get to see inside of Christine here. Well, we just went. We drove down to New Orleans, and we went by the the giant Toyota plant mm-hmm. in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea. It, it's bigger than anything we had around here. Mm-hmm. Probably five minutes of driving, sixty five miles an hour, is how much wow. area the, the frontage of, of the assembly <sighs> camp, the campus for Toyota was. Uh, that is amazing. And again, there's another neat point inside of this. For this point, is that this scene didn't happen inside the original novel for Christine. Yeah, I don't know how how they could not have that in the novel because that sets up where all Christine's it's, evilness began. It, it was on the assembly line the first time it, it slams its hood on that on the guy's hand. Takes a big hand. munch on the guy's hand, yeah. yeah. And uh, the neat part is that we've got another podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network where I think they're going to visit Christine. It's called The Versus Machine. And The Versus Machine does exactly what we're talking about here where they take a classic novel, usually a book, and then they compare it to another medium where that title has come out, usually a movie. And so what I can totally envision them doing is taking Christine the book versus Christine the movie and telling you the differences between the two or a versus session. I want you all to go check that out over at versusmachine.com. We'll also link it up inside the show notes for this episode of the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Christine over at twoguystalking.com forward slash Christine. The car. Now, as much as I know everyone wants to wax philosophic about community economics and how awesome you and I had a really great time in high schools and going to see the movie, blah, they're interested in listening to this review because they're listening to two guys talking cars. And so we have to talk about the car. Go for it, Ron. You have the platform, my friend. Basically, it's a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Mm-hmm. On the assembly line, they in the beginning, they show all the, the cars just like it that they're making, but this is the only red one. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that makes it stand out a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think you share with me that all the cars you see on the Summit Line were the, the Christines they use for the various scenes throughout the movie. So, right, right. So good budgeting and planning uh, on the production part of it yeah, there. Yeah, that's where a production designer really does make their salt. It's it's where they go, and that's why you got to work with that person because they take into account, okay, so we're going to need 20 cars, right? Okay, okay. And you were talking about some assembly line thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And, uh, and only one of them's got to be red at the beginning, right? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, if I got an idea for you, and that's exactly what it is. Right. And the, it, it, the line of cars that you can see in what, if, you know, if you're looking in whatever direction, if there were nine cars shown, well, those nine cars are just going to be other production stunt cars of varying levels for Christine later on inside the movie. That's how those things work inside of feature films. I think people forget a lot of times that subconsciously believe that there's only one car for the, for yeah. the whole movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's like, you know, they use 11, 12, 15 cars. I yeah. think like when they were filming Duke's Hazard TV show, there was like 20 of the General Lees. There were 27 General Lees at any one given time. Yeah. And of course, those went up and down as they fixed them and, and you know, un, unboke duke them. <laughs> yeah. it, it was somebody's job to, yeah, yeah. to, to recycle them back in. Yeah, yeah. And that's why... Uh, a lot of people don't know that either. Even if you can't get one of the awesome, super cool, kick-ass General Lees, if you can get one that was in the pool that right. was inside of making that series, man, that's some serious buckage at this point. It's a lot, a lot of money to get that. And it's because it's so rare. It's a piece of the storied history of that. And again, I, I love those little movie magic notes that you have inside of things like Christine. You know, the other thing that hits me too, Ron, is... It's a gorgeous car. They pick the best red, in my opinion. I've seen all kinds of red inside of car shows and uh, inside of production plants or even paint shops. And the red that they selected is just this luscious, not cherry, and it's not blood, and it's not strawberry, but it's like this amalgam of that. So like, if you close your mind's eye and you just imagine the most delicious sauce that you could put into a spoon that would have some pearl essence in it, that's exactly what they got for this car. It is singularly trans-hypnotic <laughs> yeah, when you see this color. And then, too, when you when they show the car, it, there's not a ripple in it. It's just sleek as, as glass and yeah. uh, shiny as a mirror. And it really does show. Looking. Yeah, it really does show the skill sets of what people that paint cars like that go through. They're, the craft, uh, the, they're the, craftsmen. Yeah, there is no robot painting cars no. like Christine, even today. There are people that have specific skill sets, specific crafting skill sets that make all of the pieces parts inside of that car work and shine like they did inside of this what now this is the the plymouth the plymouth fury 1957 why didn't this become another breakout car like the 57 chevy for example because it's a big old barge yeah i mean it's, it's how, how big in comparison is there a percentile you can give me i'd say that trying to picture them side by side like to a 57 chevy compared to the 58 fury mm-hmm there's probably four foot difference. Oh wow! In the, in the length of just the length alone, really? Okay. I mean, the the, the Fury is just huge. It, the Fury is supposed to be more like a a luxury family car, mm-hmm. where and then the '57 was like a, a sporty family car. Okay. You know, a little you know, 
and that started with the 55, 56, 57 series. And how rare is a Plymouth Fury? I mean, are we talking... Oh, I'd say that's a lot more rare than a 57 Chevy. Okay. There's, there's lots of the, the you know, 55, 56, 57 Chevys. Mm-hmm. You see them. Like, if you go to a car show, mm-hmm. you know you're going to see at least three of each one of those there. Mm-hmm. But how many Furies are you going to see from mm-hmm. 58? And is there something indicative of the Fury that people can be walking by a series of cars from that era and you go, oh, hey, look, a Plymouth Fury? Oh, just like the big fins on the back. Okay. You know. And is it always going to be longer in general than most cars of that era? Is that well, is that no, another like your Lincolns no? and some of the some of the um Plymouth they had big cars for a long time. And mm-hmm. uh your Cadillacs are bigger, the Lincolns are bigger. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's nothing like they are today where you know, if you can't see the name plate, you probably sometimes you can't even tell what kind of car it is. That's very true. Where so, there's all just kind of bleed over yeah, lookalike stuff look that's alike, going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And that's actually where we ask you guys, if you've ever owned a fifty seven fifties era Plymouth Fury, let us know what you think of that car. Better yet, send us a picture of that car. I would love to see more of those and know where they are also in either America or across the sea i'd like to know where they are now uh go on over to our website over at twoguystalkingcars.com click anywhere in the contact area on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and let us know and or share a picture of your plymouth fury because we know that there's somebody out there who has restored a, a 58 fury to look like christine oh yeah yeah in fact there's there's some all over both facebook and the web we'll link up to those as well okay the sets now, Ron, I think your age is indicative of what you would have seen in a lot of what's going on here, whether it's the characters that are portrayed as living in the 50s-ish or the actual sets that they use when they're going back and showing what happened inside of Christine. So uh, that it can catapult you back to those times, but then also show you a great depiction of 1983 all at the same time. I love that. And again, it totally tips the hat to the production designer of Christine and that they can literally catapult you back into times, whether it's via music or literally putting on a jacket and having a hairstyle that looks like the 1950s. The, hair, the hair's killer. Yeah. Because this takes place in 78. Yeah. Is a, the setting for the movie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, like the big hair. And, yeah. You know, I was already out of high school for four years by then. So yeah. The, the clothes, the hair. And, yeah. It, it, uh, was, it was super, you know, it literally went and cut out the swath of time and presented it to people inside the frame. Just really, really well done. And it's kind of, it's... And, there's a lot of this, like, you know, Arnie's best friend, Dennis, is the jock. Mm-hmm. Arnie's the, the geek or the nerd that, uh-huh. that the bullies pick on. Mm-hmm. And, and Dennis is always sticking up for him mm-hmm. and, until he gets hooked up with Christine. Then Christine takes over. Yeah, the, the, the woodshop scene is something I really wanted to provide some focus on, oh. especially inside of this. The set of woodshop obviously was woodshop someplace. I don't know if that was actually in a school, but they went and took snapshots somewhere. And they emulated it someplace because... Well, I was not in Woodshop during high school at all except to go and visit one of the teachers or something inside of there. I mean, it was it. You look around and you are you are in a literal Woodshop. It reminded me of tech school. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, way more focused on trade right. rather than a whole ton of education. No, I totally agree on that. Totally. Uh, great sets inside of Christine. The sad reality of bullies. We mentioned a little bit about bullies when we started here when I was talking about the bully network that I'm creating. And I think Christine is probably the best bully movie in that you get a really great depiction of what bullies do and how they affect and literally what they see that makes them makes their mouths water, 
so that they become that rabid dog and they do what they yeah. do. You you see it all inside of this movie. Well, Buddy's the head bully, mm-hmm. and he's got his three little lackeys who follow him around, yeah. and you know they all want to be like him. Right. And then they see Arnie, who's who's a little geeky, nerdy, littler guy than them, and they they want to pick on him. He's easy picking. He's right. never stood up for himself. Right. Until he bought the car, he never stood up for himself to his parents. Right. And that's this is one of those wonderfully, and I think that's why this movie really gravitates towards me, because I, too, was bullied when I was a kid. And the only time the bullying stopped is when I started twisting people into pretzels. And that was my power. <laughs> Your when, when the, Yeah, when, when the bully can't breathe because I'm making his nose touch his ankle for an hour. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> That'll help out a lot. I, I think that's why I love this movie is that not only do you get to – you literally get the, the tables turned on the bullies oh. outright well, I mean, Chris, of this When movie. they come and they destroy Christine with the sledgehammers and everything <laughs> to, to get back at Arnie for telling the teacher that Buddy had a knife, it's, it's like, wow. And then like, uh-oh. You did it now. Christine's really PO now. Yeah. She's coming to get you, and, and she, she she actively hunts them and yeah. kills them all. Yeah, and I think I I look on it now as an almost forty five year old man, and I I know when I first saw this, which is probably in my twenties, that I didn't capture the and now evil is bleeding onto Arnie, literally changing his blood makeup work essentially. I, I didn't get that. I just there was this wonderful taste of. Ooh, steaky vengeance. Awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, it will eat you up. And the neat part about Christine is that we literally get to see that. Yeah. It absolutely eats him alive. Completely. Christine watching and actively hunting the bullies. Uh, Ron alluded to this a little bit, but I want to make sure we go into depth here. Because there's a couple of wonderful scenes inside of this where the bullies get theirs all thanks to Christine. So we're talking, uh, the first one we talked about was the, the complete and utter smashingness of what goes on with Christine. And we're not talking about, hey, how about a, how about a, a hammer through the windshield? Eh, not just that. No, they Not just busting out the glass. Pipes, we're talking about the, 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 the interior. All of it. Just everything. Absolute, uh, 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 defecating slash taking a piss inside of the car. Yeah. Everything that you can possibly imagine. Like and today's standard would be a total loss. A total, complete loss. It would be an insurance nightmare for sure. And a very expensive one too. If you ever wanted to get another classic car, you probably wouldn't be able to afford the, the insurance after oh. something like this happens. Especially if you're keeping the next car in the same area as that one. It would right. be just impossible. Them being hunted by this car after being so done wrong, it's delicious. It, it's where it goes in and plucks into the car guy of all of us karma, and says, baby. absolutely, it is total bully karma. And I think that's, again, that's again why I really enjoy not only watching, but talking karma. to other. Yeah. Oh, karma. <laughs> Let's see. Awesome. And that's why I enjoy talking about this movie with people, especially other car guys, because you get it. You go, okay, remember that car that you and I loved when we were talking about it? Remember that? Okay. Well, now these guys destroy it. What do you think should happen to those guys? I think they should all get run down and burned to death by the car. That's what should happen. Okay, ready and go. (laughs) And that's like one of the best scenes in the whole movie. It is. When he chases Buddy, they chase him to a a gas station that has a repair shop attached to it. And his Camaro's parked there. And Mm -hmm. Christine crashes into it. And then, Mm -hmm. like, it's stuck on the front and it pulls out and it, like, lets it go. So it backs up and gets a run at it and crashes through the shop door, to the garage door, into the shop. Starts leaking gas. And I forget which one. It wasn't Buddy. Buddy takes off running. But then it ignites, and mm-hmm. the whole place is explosions going yeah. on all over. And here comes Christine out of the fire. On the whole car is on fire. It's going <sighs> down the road to, to go get Buddy. Yeah, and it's like it's 
going down an old rural area on a two-lane blacktop, and this guy's running down the middle of the road as fast as he can. Here yeah. comes Christine all on fire, and it, 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 it'd be like the headless horseman coming after you or something. Yes, on, in yes. flames, and yeah. he's like and, runs and, over and him, and he catches on fire. Th- there is a palatable mouth-watering effect that that scene gives you. I'm having it right now. And I love it. I, I I drink it up like I need a napkin, and then I need a I need a beer to help wash it down. It's just it's delicious, and it's wonderful to see the bad guys get theirs inside of this movie. And you gotta All wonder about the bully. There's a car chasing you. Why do you run down the road? Yeah. Why don't you run through the ditch and get out in the field? Why don't you go over by the buildings? <laughs> yeah. Oh wait a second. The safe area of an alley. Or not. <laughs> not. <laughs> I guess not. Not when Christine's so, after you. Yeah, even the commonsensical nature of, I think I'll go dart between buildings. Okay, well, why don't you give that a shot? I like that. Whoops, it's Christine. I like that character's <laughs> name, too, Moochie. Moochie, yeah. How about Moochie? <laughs> Moochie Man, runs Moochie. down this alley. He thinks he's safe. It's a dead end, but it's it's narrower than Christine. Yeah. And Christine's just like putting butter on herself and sliding in. You can see the, the it, panels getting yeah. bent and everything. It's like it's squeezing in there. And it it's up, wonderful. ends it, up crushing them. Oh, yeah, and essentially becomes, uh, Christine essentially becomes your shoulder width. You know, a, right. a foot and a half, maybe two feet total. <laughs> it just it, it is it is a wonderful piece uh, inside of some really great vengeance that you get to see on screen related to a car after the car's been beat to death at least once. But then it comes back alive. Great stuff. And I like in that part there where uh, Arnie challenges her to come back. Yeah, yeah. I think he stands in front of the car and says, "Show me." Yeah, and, and that it literally becomes a character inside the. the you're going to hear that in every review for Christine, but that the coming back alive stuff. We're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. The allure of an old school radio. Now, it's not just that the songs they use inside the soundtrack are spectacular inside of this. It's not just that they use the radio to snap on, and essentially that's the heartbeat of what's going on with the car. It's not the engine. It is that radio. There is something about an old-school dial radio that will always be around as long as there is the ability to go and get a radio that has a turning knob on it, or even one that looks like it. Because they now have, uh, it, it's come so far inside of technology now, you can actually go and get one, and there is a graphic inside of the digital representation of your dashboard that looks like a turny radio thing. And you can even turn the little, the LED, the, uh, the screen and it will go, <laughs> but it's not, it's, it's all graphic. It's all totally digital, but it's still there. And that is indicative of why it's so there's a touchstone there for people. And you totally get it inside of this movie. Uh, the other thing that you get is a complete dance through the entire array of the sounds of that era are spectacular inside of this movie. What I like about the radio is when it comes on, the song that's playing on the radio has something to, to go. It's whatever's happening. It's seen appropriate. Yeah. yeah, it's seen appropriate. That, that's <laughs> yeah. a good way to put. It. I mean, it's like wow. And I didn't notice that until I was you know reviewing some of the clips and stuff. Like every time the radio comes on, it has it's a part of the scene. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of really interesting stuff that happens with the radio, and we're going to talk about the soundtrack in just a little bit. Christine coming alive now there's another little piece that is almost always accompanied with the radio and the the perfect sample is like when you said when arnie goes show me yeah and and you you not only have the radio come on but you have this like and then both headlights come on yes a high beam it is spectacular and what is really great about it is you look at what's happened inside of modern day filmmaking and you go 
There was none of that. It was a camera and an actor and right. a car. This is a movie from 30 years ago. Yeah, and and then sound effects that were added in later, and you get that that total shift up your spine every time they do it. Well, every, that is quality filmmaking. Well, it really is. One thing I picked on when I was reviewing stuff is when Arnie says, show me. Like it's playing real sexy music as the car straightening itself back out, yeah, and, and yeah. healing itself. And I mean, I'm, a lot of my members are, are body shop owners. I'm glad they don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we had a self healing car, that pretty much put the hurts to all my collision guys. Uh, totally. And actually, that we're talking about a car that heals itself. You were telling me also in the preamble about a piece of your car that actually heals itself too. Yeah. One of my members puts uh, it's like an invisible bra. It's mm-hmm. clear advantage. Yeah, it's a product made by 3M. Yeah, and it's a, a, a thin film that goes on the front of your car mm-hmm. instead of having a bra. Yeah, that protects from rock chips and stuff. Oh wow! The, the, the new product is actually self-healing. Mm-hmm. So if I would pick up a rock chip, mm-hmm. it might tear the the vinyl, but it will repair itself. Oh wow! So it's it's slick. It's awesome technology. Not only is it awesome technology, it's a great thing that, like you said, or have already said, that it's not around. Like, hey, look, a giant dent in your fender. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, some, our door, you know, I got a door ding. Yeah. Uh, and, and on yeah. the rear quarters, somebody opened their door, the wind caught it, and then just put a crease right in there. Yeah. Where, you know, in a couple of minutes, it just go away. Be done, yeah. Right. And it's good that that doesn't happen, and that's why we've got to trust in the people that can and do have the dent repair skill sets. Right. Sure. To go back to the radio thing real quick, too. For those of you that have seen one of the most recent Transformer films, where this gets the mood and scene-appropriate music done right, where it doesn't get done right is Bumblebee inside of the new Transformers films. Where literally all they're doing is they're jacking out kind of appropriate quotes from other movies that you would recognize, like Forrest Gump or Jim Lovell from Apollo 13 or... All of those things are used. I just think it's incredibly corny in that movie, where in this movie, it really does give that grit. The There is something going on that alludes perfectly to this music, and now watch it happen. Right. I love that inside this movie. Bacon flavor. Yeah, could I have an order of Kevin Bacon, please? Yeah, seven degrees, perfect temperature. <laughs> and so, believe it or not, Kevin Bacon was offered the lead Arnie role inside this film, and he turned it down for, Ron, any idea? Uh, Footloose. Footloose, exactly. And I'm trying to imagine Footloose without Kevin Bacon in it. I can't. Uh, no. And it obviously wouldn't be a, a one-to-one Kevin Gordon replacement deal, but I'm trying to imagine Kevin Bacon inside of this movie, and I don't see that either. I see Kevin Bacon more as Dennis. Yes. As, as the yeah. jock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think I could see that. That I could see, but uh, him inside of this, I can't see that. The tasty precision of practical effects. So, again, for those of you that have never seen this movie and have only either recently seen it or maybe you saw it and forgot about it, there are no special effects inside of this. It's all practical special effects. There's no computerist, nothing. That, that not, it, it is all actual cars of some sort going on, and that makes it even more amazing. It, it really as, does. As you watch it when it's when a, a you know a smashed windshield. That's you know I can see how they did that. You mm-hmm. know, just put a new windshield in. Yeah. And it, but like dents in the door, the upholstery healing mm-hmm. itself, the the front bumper straightening out. Yeah. And when he first gets the car, he bought it from a junkyard, so it's rusty and and beat fall, to hell and blah. Half yeah. the parts are gone and everything yeah. and. And great, great special effects. And the special effects I've been tantalizing, Ron, for the entire span of the review now of how they actually pulled off, especially the self-repair stuffs, and it really is extraordinary. So beyond having a series of cars where they were able to have it where it could 
repair itself in that the car was plastic. So it was a remake of the car in plastic. And then inside of the car were hydraulic pumps that would actually take and, and squeege everything. And then what they did was they just put it in reverse. So that instead of getting a, a metal car that would look strange going in reverse if things were popping out, what you get is that wonderfully organic, rounded look of, like when I flex a muscle, that's what you get with the plastic car. Very that, smooth, too. Incredibly smooth. And that's what you get with the plastic stuff that you would not have gotten had you tried to do that with a regular car. See, I didn't know how they did it. That, it's amazing. And, that, and now when you say that, and I, you can just... I can picture from watching the yeah. reviews, and it's like, okay, oh, that it, makes total sense. And it is amazing. And Somebody's again, a genius. Not only is someone a genius, someone is one that saved an assload of money for the folks inside of this movie. Because, you know, imagine oh, yeah. uh, imagine being able to make four or five pieces of the car that are plastic and pull it off with hydraulic pumps yeah, versus most trying of the time to it figure was, it out otherwise. Whenever it renewed itself and healed itself, it was, the main shot was the front with the bumper and everything. Right. And the grill. And- mm-hmm. Right. And so, again, extraordinary filmmaking way before CGI was available, where I, 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 it's wonderful. I think that you could lift those special effects, put them into a movie that was made today, and it would still pan out wonderfully. I think it's it's actually, I like it better. I do, too. Because a lot of times, there's the CG is so rampant now that, you, and you can tell, especially like in battle scenes and movies and yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. hey, Everything's there's moving. Those, there's those same eight guys again. <laughs> yeah. Not, not only that, but everything is moving. Something I noticed inside of Armageddon. You remember Armageddon? Yes. Okay. Well, inside of Armageddon, there's never a time where the camera is not moving. And that has somehow become a hallmark of awesome movie making. I vote to differ on that. And the reason is because at some point, I want to actually see what's going on. Uh, that Armageddon was directed by Michael Bay, who also did most of the Transformers stuffs. And that was one of the things about the original Transformers that I really did not like was that everything was this close, holding my hands very close to my face. When I want you to back off and I want to see something, and not only do I want to see something, I don't want to be moving while I'm seeing something. I want to watch as something goes by me here. I want to be stationary as something happens in front of me. Yes, thumbs up on that. But where my point of view has to also move or move in one streaming thing like it does inside of Armageddon, that almost nauseates me, especially when it was in outer space. They're just when there's no need to move. How about you just stay stationary and show us what's going on? That I think is also a lost See, art. And people watch movies different too. Like when I watch a movie, I like to watch background stuff. Yeah. If there's a clock on the wall, I'm looking to see what time it is on that clock. When they go away and come back, this... and it's four and a half hours later. Right. Whoops! What the hell happened? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah I like right. to look for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. There's a great site on the internet that actually chronicles most of that. It's called MovieMistakes.com. Uh, every name it, it it's wondrous and actually that we sometimes become sometimes that we become nitpickers often inside of two guys talking it is a wondrous place to start anybody's adventure for movie mistakes again it's moviemistakes.com and we'll put that in the show notes for this episode of two guys talking cars the cast now we're running long inside this review but uh, you know that these people, with the maybe exception of Richard Dean Stanton, were really nobody. They were nobody. Any of these people could have been any of the kids that were in school that are getting just absolutely shat on by bullies. Well, everybody went to school with these characters. Yeah. 
Yes, that's very well said that you mentioned Dennis inside of this. I know at least three or four people that I their name wasn't Dennis, but they were in my high school right. and they had cars that looked like that. Yeah. And they acted like that. And yeah, they, Dennis had a cool charger. Yeah, and the neat part is that they were even warm and caring because you know what, folks? The jocks aren't all just rah-rah football and screw everybody. They are people too. They are human, and right. they can care about other people, just like Dennis provided a whole bunch of care for Arnie. The I think that's the other piece I love, too, is that even kids as young as these depicted in high school, they can have pathos for their friends. It's not always that over-the-top dramatic moment. It's just a, you know, hey, dude, you're right. And well, there, I love that they even, bothered to showcase that. There's even one scene, like, after... Dennis is hurt and everything, and and he's riding in the car, and and Arnie's pretty much turned evil now, and, yeah. And he's he's trying to bring him back and say, mm-hmm. well, you know, I forgot what his girlfriend's name is. So she really cares about you. She loves you. And, yeah. And you know, he's in love Lee. with the car. Yeah. So yeah, yeah Lee. It's it's extraordinary filmmaking that we got the portrayals from the characters inside of this, with even as small as the parts were. Because you know, there's there's Arnie, and Arnie's got a really great meaty role inside of this. Lee's got a good appropriate role where it's kind of the fuel for the fire for both Arnie and kind of the story. Uh, Dennis is pretty thin, but what he does with what is pretty thin is pretty thick. Right. It, it, it allows him to establish himself as a character and someone that really helps propel the story. And that's why I really love the cast inside of this. You, you add on well, a bunch of the character actors that were inside of this, right. and it really does become something special. And if, this, and if Dennis doesn't show up in the wood shop to break it up and, and you know... Arnie gets stabbed with a knife or, you know, it doesn't set up for the bully to go get revenge. Right, right. It literally becomes the building blocks of the story. And again, that's when you can really look at translation from book to movie, but also just a great concept in general. We'll also link to the complete cast listing, both inside a picture form, but also inside of the Internet Movie Database over at Two Guys Talking Cars forward slash Christine. The Commentary. Everyone knows that Mike Wilkerson is the commentary (laughs) whore. Well, this is no exception. Those of you that have any interest at all in Christine, you need to go and get this special edition DVD. It's super cheap. It's usually between $8 and $10, either on the internet. Uh, I happen to get it from a a local buyer here called Slackers. Slackers is traditionally a secondhand uh, store for stuff here in St. Louis area. And they just ordered from me new. I don't know where they got it from. I didn't care. And so I think it was I think it was twelve bucks. I think it was twelve bucks when I bought it. And inside of there, however, is a wonderful series of commentaries, both inside the actual feature film presentation, but also inside some really great, not on the original DVD uh, featurettes, each of which are twenty six minutes each, and there's four of them. So you essentially wow. get those times 26, four times 26, and then you get the whole movie where they have a variety of different people commenting on what happened inside the movie, whether it's the director, the actors, the people that put the movie together. It's it's spectacular, and it gives you a completely different look at what happened with the movie from the people from, I think it was recently, it was 2005, where they went back in and provided the commentary, where they get to look back at the creation of the movie and tell you those stories. I am a total horror for that I like just that too. outright it's a it's a great series of stuff and i recommend it to everybody again we'll have a link to buy that special edition dvd over at two guys talking cars.com forward slash christine if you buy it from there you'll actually get a little kickback for two guys talking cars the value of tinted windows now ron i know that you just got tinted windows did you not a yes. year ago maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I- and tell me the value of tinted windows that you've recognized 
The and key, I'm talking the, the key, ones that you've recognized, not the, you know, you really need these tinted windows because blah. No. I'm talking about the ones that you've recognized. For me personally, yeah. I have a Traverse yeah. and from the factory. From the back seat back is all tinted, but the front's really light. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it looks ugly like that. I agree. So I want them to, you know, they can only go so dark. They can't go as dark legally mm-hmm. as, as the back windows are. Yeah. But it's really close. Yeah. I like the privacy it gives you. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is it, it reflects the, the, the sun and the heat out when it's hot. Yeah. It's cooler in there. Yeah. Well, and I have to join you in that totally. I just got my windows tinted uh, a couple of months ago, actually. And between the look of the vehicle, like you mentioned, where, I mean, it is completely different night and right. day. The other awesome is that not only is it cool, it is cooler by a stretch. I, right. I didn't take temperature readings before and after, but just getting in after the tint. It's a completely different temperature experience. Well, especially when it's August in St. Louis and you're parked out on an asphalt parking lot. Yes. And that is actually my situation. Every single day I am out on this gigantic black parking lot. And the first day, I mean, it was extraordinary how different the temperatures were inside the vehicle before and after tinting. And then again, mine was an entire tint because I had no tint on any of the windows when I got my new car. It is extraordinary. It's great. And the security part of it, too. I mean, do I have to hide everything in my car when I get out of my Mm -hmm. car so somebody doesn't break a window? Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, the security aspects are also very, very solid. The reason we're mentioning tinted windows inside of this episode of Two Guys Talking Cars for Christine is that inside of Christine, literally, they tinted the windows because they wanted to make her look more evil. Yeah, well, <laughs> and plus, total score, man. Plus, it freaked people out if they, nobody oh, yeah. was driving the car. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it serves the story purpose. It makes her look more evil. But there was also, what is that value? What does it give you? It gives you wondrous evil nature. Yes, total thumbs up. But it also makes it harder for the drivers of the vehicle to see what the hell's going on. Because the, the tinting they chose was not the whoops in the front of the windows like you and I got. No. This it is, is the blackout. pitch black. Yeah, it, it's essentially tar on the window. <laughs> And you can just barely see through it. So even inside of Bernie, Bernie, let's go run down buddy scene, thudum, thudum, uh, even inside of that scene, uh, the drivers can't really see where the hell they're going. No, and it's dark outside. <laughs> it's dark outside, right. So uh, that, that the flame on the front of the car actually helped them to maneuver inside the- of the, the road lines. and. Uh, it's extraordinary. It's another little thing that was inside of the commentary that I wanted to make sure we definitely touched on inside this review of Christine. The soundtrack. All right. So everybody, crack the knuckles because we've got some digging to do. Two things here. So there's actually two soundtracks. One is the score. The score is kind of the music of the movie that has nothing to do with the artists that are featured inside of the music that's featured inside of Christine, okay? So just when Christine is traveling and there's no music playing on the radio, that is a piece of the score. When the characters are doing something and it's not a song that you recognize, that's the score. Now, the score is available over on Amazon. I just bought a copy of it to feature inside of this episode of Two Guys Talking Cars forward slash Christine, a complete review of Christine, that you can go and buy via the link at our show notes. And it was $17, $17.49. So not too bad. A little bit overpriced for something, but it came out in 1983, and I want a copy of it, blah. You can't order a digital copy. You can only order, hey, look, a disc, where you can take the disc and put it in a computer and blah. It's all done. Okay, fine. I also want to talk about the soundtrack for this film, however, which is available on the internet on an LP. And for those of our listeners that are too young to know what an LP is. What's an LP? An LP is essentially a a vinyl disc 
that you put in a machine, and the machine has a needle, and the needle plays on the rotating vinyl circle disc thing, and because of the ridges that are inside of the plastic, it makes noise and is propelled through a sound system, thereby giving you, in this case, the soundtrack to Christine. So you can only buy this thing on a record. Old school. Old school. But I have another disappointing fact. Old school money as well. At least $45. I didn't like the song tech. No, I didn't either. I didn't either. 45 bucks. And what we're actually going to do, not because I don't want everybody to pay $45 for an awesome on one album soundtrack, but I don't think everybody should have to buy the album buy a record player that links to a USB port that will then allow you to take the music into your PC. Uh, I don't want you to have to do all that. So what we're going to do is over at Two Guys Talking Cars forward slash Christine, we're going to include the entire playlist of the songs that are inside of the soundtrack that you can go and buy from wherever you want so that you too can have every song that was featured inside of Christine. You're just going to have to go buy them on your own. You can't go buy one compendium of them. Buy them one at a time and add them to your music library. That's right. You can put them in the library as an awesome Christine soundtrack lookalike and then you can listen to the songs of Christine. And our thanks to the makers of the people that provide us the both score for the movie Christine, but also the soundtrack for the movie Christine, all of which you can buy over at TwoGuysTalkingCars.com Forever my darling The Value of Touch now, Keith Gordon, who plays Arnie inside of this movie, was another wonderful piece inside of the commentary of these uh, on this special edition disc, where he literally mentions that every time he addressed or literally touched the car, he imagined he was touching a woman. And as you think as how the story and the movie progresses... You get to see it all on yeah. screen. It is, it's all there. He was in love with, with, it, with the car. I'm in love with my car. Yeah, and it is, it is spectacular. It changes it from I am obsessed with my car to I am in love with this vehicle. We are one. Yes, it, it is absolutely portrayed as that, and I think that's what takes this movie into something completely different than I think we could really see today in a modern movie. A really good book to feature film translation. Now, anyone who is a Stephen King fan, are you a Stephen King fan? I like some of his stuff. Yeah, why do you like some of his stuff and not all well, of it? I don't read. I don't read the books. I, the movies. Okay, so that that might be a piece of it. I think what all of us who you know, you see the at least I do. I see the name Stephen King on a film. I got to see it, and I got to see it, but I got to see it once. Very often the movies are terrible. <laughs> uh, there are even some really great stories where portions of the movie are really really awesome. I.e., Pet Cemetery awesome there are some movies that are all awesome i.e stand by me awesome and then there are some other movies like i don't know it terrible terrible representation of what happens from the book into the translation of the movie and so even though we know there's a lot of scenes inside of christine that weren't actually inside the book the translation i think is wonderful and one of stephen king's best uh, if you're looking for the translation that really did pay off, this would be one I totally recommend. Ron, we're running a little bit long with the perspective review of Christine from 1983, directed by one of our favorites, John Carpenter. Before we go to break, though, I have a trivia question for you, friend. You'll remember a lot of things about Christine, but something you may have missed out on was the license plate. 
three letters were featured on the front end. Do you remember what they were, Ron? No, I remember it was orange. Okay, it was orange, and it was the first three letters are C, Q, B is in boy. Do you know what they signify? No. Neither does anybody else, and we're going to find out what it all meant when we come back to the perspective <laughs> review of Christine, 1983, directed by John Carpenter. We'll be right back. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Things in 1982 were a lot more simple. BMX bikes, the Versailles apartment complex in Schaumburg, Illinois, the sweet, innocent kiss of Andrea Schaefer, and of course, a little film from a man named Steven Spielberg called E.T., Science fiction, the detail of a broken but still together family, the relationships that were made when you were 12, ones that are never again truly realized. It seems a lot heavier than most remember, but all of these things and more await you in the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review of Steven Spielberg's E.T. 1982 on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Check it out now at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Mike Wilkerson here from the Two Guys Talking Podcast. I've been reviewing television, DVDs, feature films, and more for years now. And there's been very few places on the internet that I can go for unique, quality, civilized discussion for all of them. Last fall, I found one that delivers not only everything I want to see in regard to discussion, but sets the bar for having the most civilized comment sections of any entertainment interest website I've ever seen. It's ScreenRant.com, a product of Vic Holtrman and Company that gives some of the best, most valuable information on past, current, and upcoming films and offers one of the most satisfying newsletters I've ever experienced. Be sure to visit ScreenRant.com now to check out the current tempered fanboy discussion on some great entertainment-based content. And be sure to subscribe to their spectacular newsletter. You won't be disappointed you did. It's all available right now at ScreenRant.com. Tell them that the Two Guys Talking podcast sent you. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. The Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here, and we need your help. 
Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies on DVD and Blu-ray we should put into the Two Guys Talking Perspective Review crosshairs and help us fuel the internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access twoguystalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access to guystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. Twoguystalking.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Two Guys Talking Cars Perspective Review of 1983's Christine, directed by John Carpenter. So before we went to break, we had a great trivia question, Ron. The question was, you don't remember a lot of things about Christine, but you may not have noticed that the license plate, at least the first three letters, read CQB. Any idea at all what that means? No idea. Nothing? Christine something. No, uh, not Christine something. It actually means... Close quarters battle. Very interesting. And so I guess... And there were some close quarter battles. Oh, yeah. In particular inside the alley, right? Yeah. And uh, Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You get smashed between a car or run over. That's a pretty close battle. (laughs) Pretty close battle. Anyway, that is another great wondrous piece of trivia from, again, the wonderful commentary inside of Christine that I think everybody, if you have any interest at all in Christine, you need to get that special disc that you can buy over at twoguystalkingcars.com and listen to those commentaries. They are extraordinary. Just as every feature film has good, there's also the bad. Two Guys Talking Christine. Let's talk about bad here, Ron. I think the first thing we've got to talk about is the hair. We, we mentioned it right at the top of the podcast, but wow. Yeah, there's the, hair, some, the uh, hair is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, now, see, I, it's bad enough that it's good for me. Big, I, I, big hair of the 80s. Yeah, and you get to see it all in its lovely glory. And, and we're talking about on the guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An amazing showcase of hair. This is, this is one of the movies to go back and see which hairstyles were in back then because, look, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> Two guys talking, Christine. Not quite an end. Now, there's a couple of elements we're going to talk about inside of what I'm referring to here when I say not quite an end. The first thing is, there is a big, bad, evil dude at the end of this movie, and it's not Christine, obviously, because she's a woman. It is Arnie. Arnie has turned. Arnie is... Dark side Sith, he's not coming back. Darth Vader incarnate, sorry, don't have any comeback, nothing. And I don't think he gets his end enough. It's not satisfying to me as an end for Arnie inside of this. They crash through the door and he gets a piece of glass stuck in his stomach. Yeah, Yeah. I I, I thought that was kind of lame. And it definitely goes on the bad list. I'm looking for him to get, you know, accidentally run over or... You know, the car's engine turns into teeth and it just... Something. Something really heinous is what I was looking for for Arnie. Like like when he goes to the door, chops his head off or something. 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 And that we didn't get that, uh, I was looking for something different that was not quite the end for Arnie. We we didn't get it. Two guys talking, Christine. Make an R-rated, R-rated movie because it's R. 
before we get everybody jumping on us for saying, oh, you're just into gore and blood and blah. I'm not even talking about gore and blood. No. I'm talking about making an R movie. That, and this is, clearly. You've got language. You've got uh, absolutely suggested content. You have not quite overt sex. In fact, I think I've seen more overt sex style stuff on television yeah, today on two broke girls yeah and, and so i i realized that it's 1983 versus 2015 i get that but what i'm talking about is if you're going to go to the effort to make it an r and this film did they literally added the f-bomb inside of this movie so that they made sure it was going to be an r because they were scared to death if this movie is released as a pg movie because remember there was no pg-13 right if it's released as a pg film no one will go and see it because you couldn't possibly have half the stuff that happens inside of this movie inside of a PG wrapper. No way. No way. And so they wanted to make it an R. They added in the F-bomb. And I say, if you are going for R, go for R. Go R, then. Yeah. And I really wish that there were more movies that took a proactive step to being R. We're inside of a year where so many great feature films are coming out or would be great feature films one of the best samples i can think of and we've only got just a little bit of time to touch on a few is the next terminator entry now you ask me about terminator you need to have an r-rated movie period right there doesn't need to be any consideration it doesn't need to be you know we've got a shoehorn audiences in so pg-13 but a hard pg-13 no we're going r it is arnie coming back it is all of the stuff that's a brand new chapter on what's going on in the life of a Terminator that's been around for 30 plus years. And so let's dedicate a film to showing what happens because the Terminator needs to act. And you can't do that inside of a PG or even PG-13 rapper. Well, if it's PG, it's going to be geriatric Terminator. <laughs> it, it needs to be something way more exciting and it needs to be an R. Uh, it, unfortunately, it has fallen into that same stupid burrito that every feature film a couple of months before it comes out where they'll go this film is not yet rated ah, that drives me crazy as especially a fan of the terminator franchise i love those movies all of them even though even the ones that are bad terminator salvation it is one of the most pan movies i've ever seen but it's one of our highest downloads over at terminatorpodcast.com and it's because people want to hear what we think about it and see if it matches their viewpoint so I don't really care if it's bad, but give it a chance by having it be an R-rated movie. You're kind of handcuffing it if you go for the PG. You totally handcuff it. You can have one F-bomb without it becoming an R. If the original Terminator and when it is shown on television, it's still pretty raw. In fact, the, the stuff where Arnie's picking out his eyeball and digging right. in his arm with an X-Acto knife and all that, most of that is still there. But the gunplay... The blood from the gunplay, all that stuff is almost shelved inside of that presentation. And that, a Terminator movie, is not. Right. It takes it, away from the whole... It really does. The it mystique really does. of the movie and, the, and the, the blood, and that's all part of it. The, yeah. The blood and guts part of it. Yeah. And especially in that movie, because you have to remember, the Terminator franchise, not to get off from the Terminator shunt, but the, the Terminator is, is a machine surrounded by living tissue. And so you have to show that. Right and not being able to show that in the you know the gargantuan damage that a Terminator does inside of an R-rated film, I think is just travesty. But it's very much the same here. If you're going to go and go the extra mile, you're going to add in the extra f bomb to get it to the R level. Bring it. Let's have that R movie. Let's have the Arnie decapitation scene. There's an end for Arnie. Arnie's not going to you know he's not going to pop out his shoulder blades and somehow suck his head back on like Christine does. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. <laughs> 
even though it's a John Carpenter movie. That would not happen. <laughs> Two guys talking, Christine. <laughs> Another Stephen King, and let me make my self absolutely clear i like this movie a lot i think it's a very good entry especially inside of stephen kingdom we just got done talking about that where uh, i totally recommend this for those of you that you know if you have a bad experience inside the end of a movie that is a stephen king based story uh you know you can skip a bunch of them but this one you should watch and i agree but inside of here that thud of arnie getting killed by a piece of glass to torso eh, <laughs> it is it is it is not nearly as bad as it but it's pretty close i mean even if they would have like ripped his stomach open or something yeah and entrails just, or something but, but i mean it just goes in and he like pulls it out and it goes and then something where, you know where he's run over by the bulldozer and you don't even have to show the gore there but you know something pow wow arnie's dead oh my god arnie's dead yeah and you don't have that at the end of this you if or the he, bulldozer if, comes to life and runs over christine with arnie in it something something like that you know or the the car is again burning and driving down the road and it explodes or something i, I think stephen king should contact us for our input for for a sequel for a sequel <laughs> two guys talking christine Never revisited. So unfortunately, this movie was... Oh, wait a second. I have a special note here. Looks like... Well, my goodness. It looks like Stephen King actually released a note last year, 2014, that there actually is going to be a sequel for this movie, Ron. Really? What yeah, was, yeah. Here, what let me was read, the date of the release? Uh, let, me read it, let me read it for you. Yeah, It's a great note, Ron. It reads, coming 2015. So this year, no less. Following the success of Dr. Sleep... Stephen King announced today that he will be returning to the story of Dennis Gilder in 2015. And for those of you that are wondering, Dennis Gilder is the buddy in the Charger. The jock. Yeah. With Christine Lives, the sequel to his 1983 novel, Christine. It will be called Christine Lives, and it will pick up where Christine left off and follows the trials and tribulations of Dennis's descent from now high school teacher, to Carnival Barker, who attempts to evade the smoking tires of fate. Wow, dude. That actually sounds pretty cool. It could be. Yeah, yeah. The dentist ends up with the with Christine. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he, what he happens with Christine? Lee, he marries Lee because... She's been divorced. Because Arnie's dead. Right. Oh, yeah, maybe that's what happened. He's, a, he's always taking care of Arnie, so... Yeah. This release, what's the date on that? Yeah, uh, let's see. It's... Uh, oh, it's uh, it's April 1st, 2014. Oh, isn't that April Fool's Day? It is April Fool's Day, so... Fact or crap. Uh, I guess it's not coming out then, Ron, so scrap all that, anyway. <laughs> the bottom line is that there was never a follow-up to this movie, and that's actually kind of a, a sad note, because I think that... I don't know that I would have gone the way where Dennis has now grown up, but you have to remember that Christine was just a box of metal, and whether she could unbulk herself into whatever she was doing or some sort of magic or other character would be involved in intervening and making Christine whole again. I think that you could get away with that. A series that we've been talking about in a variety of Two Guys Talking reviews is a series called Friday the 13th. Do you remember Friday the 13th, the television show? Vaguely. Okay. Uh, essentially, for those of you that are completely unfamiliar, Friday the 13th, the television show focused on a series of artifacts and or items that were in an antique shop. Unfortunately, all of the items are from the devil. 
and, and they're so, all cursed. And right, and they're all cursed, and they have they are bought by people, and so they have to be hunted and found. Yeah, and the lady ran the antique store. Yeah, I, yeah, and then there was a dude with a beard, and then okay, the yeah, nephew I, or the I son or whatever. Now. Anyway, so it was it was I thought it was a great series, and I liked it a lot because it was not focusing on the horror or hey look it's the devil. It was focusing on the cursed items and the hunt for them, and I think that that's still today a great piece to shop on. And you could have the same thing. You could have exactly the same thing with Christine because there is more story in Christine that I think you could leech out well, of just, it. Just think if they would have done done the marketing after for the promotional things, mm-hmm. like if they made a, a, a 132nd or a one-scale uh, Christine car you could buy. Yeah. What if they would have sold as many Christine car model cars as they did Jason Hockey Mask? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because there are a series of models for Christine that are available. They're Christine branded scale models. In fact, we'll link to those inside of Facebook as well, which actually leads me to my next point. Show me. Get your motor running, Tiger. The giveaway. Now, it's not every Two Guys Talking Cars episode where we're actually giving something away, but this time, we have the ultimate fan package, the Hell Hath No Fury fan package that's made available by a really great site on the web that we'll link to inside the show notes. So the way that this giveaway is going to work, it's very straightforward. You send us a picture of your favorite car, whether it's a newer car, we don't care if it's an older classic car, that's great too, but send it to us by going over to twoguystalkingcars.com, use the contact form and you'll be able to contact us and send us that picture. Yeah, movie car, your car, we don't care. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference. Included inside this great pack is a Hell Hath No Fury t-shirt, a movie poster for Christine, personalized tire graph poster, a Darnell's Auto Wrecking Shop Rag, a Hell Hath No Fury mug, a Hell Hath No Fury bumper sticker, and a Hell Hath No Fury collapsible koozie. And wow. for those of you, for those of you that don't know what the word koozie means, a koozie is a little your beer uh, keeper colder. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you put your soda pop or your beer inside of it so it stays cold. Uh, anyway, that entire pack is made available to you absolutely free by Two Guys Talking Cars. All you've got to do is contact us and send us a picture of your favorite car, regardless of when. Well, what if the poster's gone? Uh, what poster? <laughs> Contact us over at twoguystalkingcars.com and tell us what is your favorite car. Send us a picture, and you're entered into the drawing. So we come to the part of the Two Guys Talking Cars perspective review of Christine, 1983, directed by John Carpenter. The way this scale works is that we've got a scale between one, dong, to ten is awesome and needs to be watched again. Everything starts at a seven. There's no half numbers. What do you got? I'm going to go eight. Eight? Okay. And do, describe do, why first. Do in part, crappy ending. Okay. A, a better ending would have helped. Um, I think the eight's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess there's got to be some movies that are tens that I like. But most but this was eight. not one of them. <laughs> no, I like it. It's, it's an eight. Yeah. An eight or, I mean, I'm, I'm more into comedies and... and, and yeah action movies and yeah well, i guess it's kind of an action movie yeah like i said my favorite scene is when when it crashes into the gas station it blows up and it goes driving down the road on fire yeah so yeah no that's that's fantastic and uh, this is a again a really great entry it doesn't quite fall into horror either which is why i think i liked it more uh, this is way more a kind of a ghostly movie than it is an outright horror film and i think that's a giant score for this movie that helps me keep it at a seven as we went along through the negatives that i thought um, I will bump it up to an eight, though. 
I thought that this was a really good solid entry. It's definitively something that should be inside of everyone's collection, especially if you're a classic car fan. You see so much really great, wonderful things going on with a really classic car that will not be around forever. There will be a day where there are only a few Furies right. left. And when you get to see what they've done with the ones that were left, the stunt cars, but then also the hero cars inside of this movie, they are wonderful and just, uh, they solicit such power. And you get to see it right here inside of Christine. If you see a red 58 Fury going down the road, you immediately think, you know, ooh, there's Christine. Yeah. And it's very recognizable. As much as the Batmobile or the Dukes of Hazard, mm -hmm. the General Lee... It really does have a distinctive look, and again, I, I I really admire the people that can look at it and go, "Oh, that's a that's a '58 Fury." I love that. I love that. I don't have that. I don't have that ability yet, but I look forward to learning more about how to actually do that, especially with a car that looks like Christine. It's all about the fins. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually where we ask you guys, what did you think of Christine on a scale of one to ten? Tell us what you think. Remember, no half numbers. And an average movie starts at 7. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's twoguystalkingcars.com. Click anywhere inside the contact area, fill out the web form, and tell us. What did you think of 1983's Christine, directed by John Carpenter? Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Ron Reiling, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on, on Two, Two Guys, Guys Talking, Talking Cars. Cars. So that's the nuts and bolts for this episode of TwoGuysTalkingCars.com. Did you like what you heard? Ready to talk to us about the cars that make you feel special and evoke memories from times long gone by? Contact us by visiting TwoGuysTalkingCars.com. That's the number two, GuysTalkingCars.com. There you can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us via iTunes and make your opinions known so we can share them in our season-ending all-fan input episode where you become the star of TwoGuysTalkingCars.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, always get your motor running with Two Guys Talking Cars. Cars.